Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. So will every U.S. health agency be on the same page this time? The lead starts right now. A key FDA panel just voted moments ago recommending who should get a Moderna booster shot and when. Criminal contempt. The January 6th committee pursuing criminal charges against Trump ally Steve Bannon after Bannon refuses to comply with the committee's subpoena. What might Bannon have to hide? Plus, one GOP candidate apparently will not even appear in person with Trump during a rally. As we get new CNN reporting this hour, on the headache Trump's causing Republican leaders with the latest iteration of his sore loser anti-democracy campaign. Hello and welcome to The Lead. I'm Jake Tapper. We begin with breaking news in our health lead just moments ago, a major vote by a panel of vaccine experts, which could impact the lives of millions of Americans who got the Moderna shot. The FDA advisory panel voted to recommend authorization of the Moderna COVID booster shot for individuals in key demographics that have elevated risk of disease, including the elderly. Now, this same panel tomorrow will debate and possibly vote on a Johnson & Johnson booster shot, which has come under some scrutiny. As CNN's Nick Watt reports for us now, the booster news comes as President Biden is cheering on the progress his administration has made in the fight against the virus. So we do have a unanimous 19 out of 19 yes vote. A thumbs up for Moderna vaccine booster shots from FDA advisors. So Moderna could soon join Pfizer with boosters authorized for the over 65s, all adults at high risk of severe disease and adults whose institutional or occupational exposure puts them at high risk of infection. The CDC still needs to sign off. We expect a final decision from the FDA and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, in the next couple of weeks. Data suggests that protection from those first two Moderna doses does not wane as fast as with the Pfizer vaccine, but still wanes. This booster has the potential to address waning antibody titers and to reduce breakthrough disease due to the highly transmissible Delta variant. An NIH study found mix and matching vaccines between initial doses and boosters is safe and effective. This is the kind of data that the FDA is going to be considering in the advisory committee over the next few days. I would be cautious about it interpreting on its own right now. Israel already widely rolled out boosters today. FDA advisors got a status report. So in summary, the booster dose in Israel was effective and so far had safety profiles similar to the other doses. I'm hoping we're in herd immunity now for the Delta strain, uh, but, but I'm not sure we know it yet. The same advisors meet tomorrow to talk second shots of Johnson & Johnson, which could be a more complex discussion. Some wish all this went further. 
a lot of people don't want to get sick. They don't want to get long haul COVID. They also don't want to end up um, missing work or potentially infecting their family. And so give everybody the option to get that booster dose, I think should actually be the recommendation. All right, one, two, three, poke. Later this month, FDA advisors will talk vaccinations for kids under 12. If authorized, we are ready. We have purchased enough vaccines for all children between the ages of 5 and 11 in the United States. Now, I kept watching those FDA advisors after their vote. They were discussing whether all adults should be eligible for boosters, and they do not sound in favor of that at all. So don't hold your breath there. But the FDA, we have just heard, are going to meet, FDA advisors going to meet end of next month, talk about that very promising antiviral pill that could be rolled out to treat COVID-19. Jake. All right, CNN's Nick Watt in Los Angeles. Thanks as always. As the FDA panel holds these critical votes this week, we are learning that the White House is vetting a former FDA chief to lead the agency once again. CNN Chief White House Correspondent Caitlin Collins joins me live. Caitlin, the FDA has been acting under an acting commissioner since Biden took office. She has been highly criticized for her role in the FDA in the opioid epidemic. So what do we know about this possible replacement? Yeah, Dr. Janet Woodcock, who is the acting commissioner, ran the drug division when many critics say liberal or say opioids were too liberally approved by the agency. And so that is some criticism she's faced. That's why why she has fallen out of contention for this job. And so now the White House is vetting several candidates, including Rob Califf. Dr. Rob Califf, he's a cardiologist who, as you noted, previously served as the commissioner of the FDA under Obama for a short period of time. And so now the White House is closing in on him potentially as their next pick for the FDA. FDA commissioner. This has been a position, Jake, that has gone unfilled, even though since Biden took office, of course, he has been battling a pandemic and the FDA has a lot of critical decisions ahead of them. Many of the ones that Nick was just talking about there, including on booster shots for all people, uh, vaccine shots just for children who have not been able to get them yet and other treatments for COVID-19. So it's a very critical role. But the, what the struggle has been for the White House, Jake, is finding someone who not only is qualified for the job and meets their standards for who they want to see as FDA commissioner, but also someone who could get support on Capitol Hill. And that was the problem for the acting commissioner, Dr. Janet Woodcock, is that senators like Senator Joe Manchin were opposed to her because of her previous work at the FDA. Some people have said that that is unfair criticism of hers. A lot of people within the FDA have told me personally that they like her as an acting leader. But the bottom reality for the White House was that she wasn't going to be able to get confirmation. And so here we are in October and the White House has still been searching to find someone for this role. But they are up against a deadline of mid-November to put someone in that position because she can no longer serve as acting if they have not, Jake. All right, Caitlin Collins at the White House. Thanks so much. CNN Chief Medical Correspondent Dr. Sanjay Gupta joins us now live. Sanjay, I want to get... Your reaction to the news that the uh, White House is, is vetting former FDA commissioner Dr. Robert Califf to run the agency uh, once again. It's obviously incredibly important to get somebody into that role during this pandemic. Yeah, I mean, the stability of the FDA at this point is, is critical uh, for all the reasons that both Caitlin and Nick were talking about. I mean, boosters. I mean, these decisions are happening real time. Kids vaccines. I mean, these are going to be some big decisions. These other therapeutics like we heard about the new oral pill from from Merck, testing, uh, all of that. And then there's, and that's to say nothing of all these other issues that are out there, opioids, vaping, things like that, that the FDA typically would be spending a lot of time on. So it's a critically important time for, for the FDA. And they haven't had that stability now, you know, for, for 
obviously nine, 10 months. Today, vaccine experts at the FDA, the advisory panel, voted to recommend the authorization of a booster shot from Moderna for certain groups of the population. How is this request different from what Pfizer requested from the FDA? Well, it's interesting because the request is is more specific, but what the outcome is, what Pfizer's uh, you know sort of uh, authorization is is similar to what it looks like Moderna's authorization is going to be in terms of who would be most impacted by this. Like Pfizer, it is uh, for people ages 65 and older. It is people 18 and older who are at high risk of severe disease, and that could be a large number, Jake. You know, you're talking about cardiac disease, diabetes, obesity moderate to severe asthma. It could be half the country, half the adults in the country. And then add into that people who are at high risk of exposure because they're taking care of COVID patients. When Pfizer put in their request, they basically said they wanted to uh, get boosters authorized for people, everybody 16 and older. And it got paired back uh, through the FDA and the CDC. Also, Pfizer put in the, the request to give another dose at the same dosage, 30 micrograms of, of their vaccine. Moderna has said their booster would be half the dosage of the current uh, two-dose regimen. Hmm. So a few differences there, relatively minor, but it looks like the outcome will be very similar to what we saw with Pfizer. And obviously millions of Americans got the Moderna vaccine. Um, Should we expect a a spike in demand for booster shots nationwide, even even more so now? I I really think so. You know, it's, it's really interesting, Jake. What you're seeing is if you look at boosters versus people getting their first vaccinations. Uh, you, you go back to the end of September when the Pfizer emergency use authorization came about for the booster and you see the trend line. That was September 24th, I believe, when the CDC voted on that. September 27th, you know, you see the numbers sort of cross over where boosters actually overtook first doses of the vaccine and that is just Pfizer. So, you know, uh, Pfizer is the, is the uh, vaccine that is most commonly used in the United States, but there's a lot of people who use Moderna as well. So I think we're going to definitely see a significant increase overall in shots going into arms, but it looks like primarily shots going into arms of people who've already had shots as opposed to new shots. And Sanjay, there's this new study from the National Institutes of Health um, showing that the mix and match approach to boosters is both safe and effective. For instance, getting the Pfizer shot, uh, and then for the booster, getting Moderna. Do we know if there are any drawbacks at all to mixing vaccine types? It really doesn't look like it. I mean, you know, people have sort of speculated for some time that there could even be an advantage to doing that. The way that you think about it is that you're creating antibodies to a specific part of the spike protein of the virus. Uh, And Moderna and Pfizer, as you point out, very similar. Um, But, you know, they also have some differences that might actually give you a broader immunity. So it doesn't seem like there's any drawbacks. There could be some potential advantages to even having more uh, robust or more at least uh, widespread protection uh, by mixing and matching. We'll get more data on that. But that's, you know, talking to some of these trial investigators, that's really what they seem to have been seeing so far. But we'll see how it sort of plays out in the real world. And from what we know now about the boosters being considered, is there one that you think is better than the others? Well, again, we, we've been following these trials uh, for some time, and I, I, don't, I don't know that we could say that uh, for sure. There's been a lot of interest in with J&J, should it be boosted with an mRNA vaccine? But as far as better, uh, does it offer broader or more durable protection? I don't know that we can say that yet. I think it's pretty, we can pretty convincingly say you don't necessarily need to get the same shot there's no drawback to getting a different shot, but does it offer an advantage? I think, you know, the jury's still out on that. 
Pockets of the United States right now are experiencing new waves of the virus. Uh, Take a look at Vermont, for example. New cases are spiking there again, close to 250 new cases every day. Vermont, of course, has the highest vaccination rate in the entire United States. So what's going on there? And, And can booster shots help? Yeah. So it's interesting, you know, when you look at a place like Vermont, first of all, it's one of the most vaccinated states in the country. It's more vaccinated than Israel, which is a place that we often look to for data on highly vaccinated areas. So you see cases, as you point out, and we can show that again in terms of what the case trends really are. They have gone up. But to the to the sort of impact of the vaccines, you see that the hospitalizations are 60 percent lower deaths are 40% lower at the same time that cases have gone up about 46%. So, you know, in some ways this makes the case. That, that screen right there so sort of give you the case of what vaccines really do. They protect people from getting sick, but not necessarily from, from carrying the infection. People can still carry the virus. Uh, they're, they're much less likely to get infected, but they still can. Do the boosters make a difference? Well, now let's look at Israel because Israel has been doing these boosters for a longer period of time and you can sort of break it down by age. The yellow lines over here are people who had who did not have boosters, just had the two shots. The green lines are what happens in terms of cases after they get a booster. It does make a difference, Jake, at least for a period of time. People are less likely to develop a breakthrough infection if they get boosted. They're probably getting a significant surge of antibodies. I think the question, and this is one that Nick sort of alluded to, the FDA still sort of grappling with, giving a sudden sort of surge of antibodies, does that make a big difference overall for the patient in terms of severe illness? Is it it something that should be recommended more broadly? They're still saying no, but based on Vermont data, based on what we're seeing out of Israel, that may change, at least in terms of bringing cases down overall. Hmm. All right, Dr. Sanjay Gupta, thanks so much as always. A showdown over a no-show. The January 6th committee now moving to hold Steve Bannon in criminal contempt. Plus, that big-time South Carolina lawyer has been arrested. The new charges he's facing with the scandals and tragedies around him growing. Stay with us. In our politics lead, the committee investigating the deadly January 6th insurrection is officially moving forward, recommending that the U.S. Justice Department pursue criminal contempt charges against former Trump aide Steve Bannon for refusing to comply with the congressional subpoena. Today, the chairman of the committee said Bannon is, quote, hiding behind the former president's insufficient blanket and vague statements regarding privileges he has purported to invoke, unquote. Now, of course, it will be up to Attorney General Merrick Garland. Let's get straight to CNN's Paula Reed. Paula, how is this process going to work? So on Tuesday, they say they're going to get to work. They're going to have a meeting where they will adopt a report detailing how they tried to get Bannon to comply with this subpoena and how he refused. Now, if they adopt that report, it'll then move to the House for a vote. If that succeeds, it'll be referred to the Justice Department. So ultimately, it's up to Attorney General Merrick Garland whether he actually wants to move forward with a prosecution. And right now, it's unclear how he's going to handle this. Now, Bannon has said he is not going to comply unless he is ordered to do so by a court. I mean, he notes the fact that the former president has directed him not to comply because he wants to raise issues of privilege. But today, the committee said we reject that argument in its entirety. Now, if he is prosecuted and found guilty, he could be looking at a fine and even jail time. Look, Jake, this is not a common kind of proceeding. It rarely results in jail time. But I've spoken to lawyers, even in the Trump orbit, who say here, Jail could be a possibility if he's found guilty. Interesting. And then, of course, there are these other Trump allies. Uh, Mark Meadows, former chief of staff, 
Cash Patel, who was a Pentagon advisor, and, and Dan Scavino, who worked at the White House. What about them? So we know that lawmakers have agreed to a short postponement of the depositions for all three of those Trump allies. Now, does that mean that any of them are going to cooperate? It's unclear. Let's look at our reporting on Cash Patel, for example, the former Pentagon official. Multiple sources say he's still engaging with the committee. But we also heard earlier today on a podcast, Representative Adam Schiff referred to Patel as an evil zealot. And just yesterday, Schiff said that, look, not all engagement ends in a positive resolution. But he says that, look, these witnesses are going to comply either voluntarily or through compulsion. And what we saw today with Bannon, it's clear they're sending a message to these other witnesses. You're going to comply. Interesting. Paula Reed, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Also in our politics lead today, new details about an obscure state lawmaker's significant role in the run-up to the January 6th insurrection. According to a newly released Senate report, Doug Mastriano, a state senator from the Gettysburg, Pennsylvania area, was a critical behind-the-scenes player peddling Trump's baseless election fraud claims throughout the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. He's even captured on video passing barricades and police lines during the Capitol insurrection. And as CNN's Sarah Murray reports for us now, Mastriano continues to spread Trump's big lie, even trying to launch another fraudulent election audit. As Donald Trump leaned on the Justice Department to help him overturn the 2020 election. Make no mistake, this election was stolen from you, from me, and from the country. He also leaned on GOP allies, like retired Army colonel and Pennsylvania State Senator Doug Mastriano, to back him up. Are we going to stand aside? As these shenanigans go on in Philadelphia and Atlanta, it's time to rise up, Americans. The new Senate Judiciary Report highlights Trump's faith that Mastriano was in his corner. According to the Senate testimony from Richard Donahue, the former acting deputy attorney general, Trump told DOJ officials something to the effect of, people were trying to address this problem, Scott Perry and Mastriano, but they can't do it in their own capacities. Now the Democrat-led Senate Judiciary Committee says Mastriano's ties to January 6th are particularly notable and warrant further investigation. In the days after Trump's call with DOJ officials, Mastriano wrote to Donahue. Election fraud is real and prevalent in Pennsylvania, Mastriano says, laying out his evidence of fraud, which has been repeatedly debunked, and adding, this election is an embarrassment to our nation. Mastriano had already held an election hearing at home in Pennsylvania in late November, featuring Rudy Giuliani and Trump by phone spreading election lies. This was a uh, very sad to say it. This election was rigged and we can't let that happen. He went on to organize buses to travel to Trump's January 6th rally in D.C. And while he condemned the violence later that day... I joined with all the other Americans in condemning what happened in the Capitol. What happened today should never have happened, and it's unacceptable. The Senate report says he and his wife took part in the January 6th insurrection, with video footage confirming that they passed through breached barricades and police lines at the U.S. Capitol. Mastriano has said police lines shifted during the day, and no evidence has emerged showing him inside the Capitol. In a statement to local news outlets, Mastriano called the Senate report biased and inaccurate. According to Mastriano, the hyperpartisan Senate Judiciary Committee report is another attempt to distract from real issues that need attention at the federal level. Mastriano, who won his state Senate seat in a 2019 special election, represents a GOP-dominated district in southern Pennsylvania. He gained notoriety in 2020 from his protests against the Democrat governor's COVID restrictions. It's time to open up Pennsylvania now. In the months since the insurrection, Mastriano continues spreading doubt about the election, visiting Arizona's partisan audit, 
I was impressed by what I saw in Arizona. And trying to launch a similar effort in Pennsylvania. As we go through the ballots, my desire is to have to recount them, but also forensically analyze with photographic material whether the ballots were copied or filled in by a human. But after irking members of his own party, Mastriano was stripped of a state Senate committee chairmanship. Now one of his GOP colleagues is leading the election review. Now, Mastriano may no longer be leading this so-called audit, but we're still seeing the fallout as other Republicans in Pennsylvania try to subpoena voter information and move forward with an audit 11 months after the election. Of course, we reached out to Mastriano's office with a bunch of questions. They didn't get back to us, Jake. Sarah, you know, Mastriano was reelected on the same ballot by the same voters as uh, as Joe Biden was elected. Mm-hmm. Same Somehow exa- he's not concerned about, about that. Yeah, no election fraud for his reelection, just for... Just for Joe Biden. Sarah Murray, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Coming up next, why your favorite TV series or upcoming movie might be delayed. Stay with us. In our money lead today, John Deere's motto is nothing runs like a deer. But right now, 14 different locations aren't running at all. After 10,000 workers went on strike this morning, they decided to walk out after a deal to bump their wages fell through. Joining us now to discuss CNN business correspondent Allison Kozak. Allison, John Deere's stock is doing pretty well. Why did they reject this deal to increase their workers' salaries? Well, Jake, salary is a big part of this. You know, members voted to actually reject the proposal that was on the table two weeks ago between the UAW, the United Auto Workers, and John Deere because most just didn't think it was good enough. And now they're calling for higher wages. Now, these negotiations are happening at a time when things are going very well for John Deere. This year so far, stock for John Deere is up more than 22 percent. Revenue for the first three quarters of Deere's fiscal year rose to more than $32 billion. So the current financial success at Deere, that may have led to some union members to believe that they deserved an even better package than the one that was rejected. Hmm. And it's not just farm equipment that could be on a production delay, of course. Our favorite TV shows, movies, they could also be taking a hit, too. Tell us about that. Yeah, you're right. 60,000 members of a film and TV production union, those who are behind the camera, they will actually go on strike beginning this Monday, if an agreement can't be reached with a group representing Hollywood producers, the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees have already authorized a strike just in case negotiations didn't come to an agreement. So far, an agreement has yet to be reached on issues that include meal breaks, higher wages and longer turnarounds for crews. And if those workers actually walk off the job, it's going to have a widespread effect on the entertainment industry, bringing most major TV and film productions in North America to a halt. And this isn't the only strike on the horizon. At Kaiser Permanente, one of the country's biggest health care providers, 38,000 workers could go on strike soon if no agreement is reached. Now, although labor, the Labor Department is saying that the number of worker strikes so far this year is actually down compared to the year before the pandemic, we are seeing kind of an inflection point in the labor market where workers feel like they have more of a voice that they want better. And these strikes across uh, the country, they're really emblematic of the leverage that American workers realize that they have. They know employers are struggling to find workers uh, because as of August, there are more than 10 million job openings in this country. And workers are saying, take this job and shove it. They're quitting at a record pace, thinking that they can afford to quit for a better opportunity and better compensation. Hmm. Jake? All right, Alison Kozak, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Coming up next, the message Donald Trump sent that's becoming a massive headache for Republicans. Stay with us. In 
our politics lead, Donald Trump, is becoming a dividing factor in Virginia's tight race for governor. Trump called into an event last night and sang the praises of the Republican candidate, Glenn Youngkin, who wasn't even there when CNN asked Youngkin about the call today. It took him nearly two minutes to offer gratitude, and then it was only brief gratitude and another sign that Youngkin is trying to, at least publicly for now, keep Trump at arm's length. While, as CNN's Jeff Zeleny reports for us now, the Democratic candidate, Terry McAuliffe, is constantly trying to link the two Republicans together. Donald Trump loves standing at the front of a big rally. I'm thrilled to be back. But in the Virginia governor's race, the former president can be heard, but not seen. I really believe that Virginia is very, very winnable, but everybody has to go out and vote. As Republicans hope to launch a comeback in the biggest campaign of the season, Trump is not invited, at least for one of his signature rallies. Instead, he called into an event last night. We're going to take it all back. In the latest sign of how Republican Glenn Youngkin is walking a tightrope, embracing the Trump energy to fire up his base and keeping his distance to avoid alienating other voters. In the final days of a race that has Democrats on edge, Terry McAuliffe is calling in the cavalry, President Biden this summer. First Lady Jill Biden on Friday and former President Barack Obama next weekend, reprising a visit he made in 2013 when McCullough first narrowly won. The next governor of the great Commonwealth of Virginia, Terry McAuliffe. This time, McAuliffe is blasting Yunkin as an extreme Trump clone, releasing a new ad today to link the two. I was honored to receive President Trump's endorsement. But Yunkin is trying to stand alone. All eyes are on Virginia. Mindful he needs to win over some of the very Virginians who previously voted Democratic, including for Biden, who won last year by 10 points. In a race that will turn on enthusiasm, it's a tricky balancing act with Trump. Would you like to see him campaign well, here? So, no, the person that's going to be campaigning here for the next two and a half weeks is Glenn Youngkin. I'm on the ballot. You hope he stays out of the state. You're going to see me campaign as Glenn Youngkin, the candidate who is marching to victory. And you're going to see my opponent bring in everybody he possibly can because he can't win on his own. Now, as much as Youngkin does not want to talk about Donald Trump, Terry McAuliffe does want to keep the former president alive in this race. Jake, it is all because of those independent voters who voted against former President Donald Trump just last year. Joe Biden again winning this state by 10 percentage points a year ago. But it is an open question if those independent voters really align Youngkin with Trump. Many I've talked to here this week say they simply don't. Other issues are driving this race, like a parental choice, school guidance, government uh, intervention, and so many other things. So uh, Trump is hanging over this race heavily, but it's unclear if it's weighing Yunkin down as much as McAuliffe had hoped. Yeah, a bunch of Democrats are trying to bait Trump into campaigning for Yunkin in Virginia. Uh, Jeff, you mentioned uh, McAuliffe wants to bring First Lady Jill Biden and former President Barack Obama to Virginia to help him campaign, but is he going to have President Biden come? In fact, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said just a short time ago that uh, President Biden does expect to campaign here in Virginia at some point before leaving for a foreign trip. He'll be doing that at the end of this month. So we do expect him here. And among Democrats, that certainly uh, is likely to help McAuliffe because, of course, uh, the president's standing is still quite good among Democratic voters. And at this point of the race, it is all about energizing your respective bases. So uh, we do expect President Biden here. Jake, the bigger question, will President Trump 
actually stay away or will he be drawn into holding one of his famous rallies? Interesting. Jeff Zeleny, thanks so much. Sources tell CNN that Trump's repeated cries of election fraud in the 2020 race have taken another bizarre turn, which frustrates the Republican Party leaders. Last night, Trump said in a statement, quote, if we don't solve the presidential election fraud of 2020, Republicans will not be voting in 22 or 24. Again, there was no significant election fraud in 2020, but still telling Republicans not to vote. CNN's Melanie Zanona joins us now. Melanie, Republicans are, are generally speaking, afraid of calling out Trump when he makes statements like that. But you're hearing they're, they're pretty riled up behind the scenes. Yeah, that's right, Jake. Republicans are privately frustrated that Trump keeps trying to rehash the 2020 election. They would rather keep their midterm mes- message focused on Joe Biden, the economy or the border. And even some of Trump's most loyal supporters in Congress want to put 2020 in the rear view mirror. Roger Williams, a Texas Republican, told me, look, I'm a Trump guy, but we have got to start focusing on 2022. And Jake, there's also some concern that Trump's false claims of voter fraud and false talk of a rigged election could actually depress voter turnout among Republicans and turn off moderates and independents, just like we saw in the Georgia Senate races earlier this year when Republicans lost both seats. But even as Republicans privately have fears of a Georgia repeat, none of them, as you mentioned, have been willing to call out Trump's election lies, including GOP leadership. Uh, and that's because Trump has made it a litmus test in the party, and many Republicans are still scared to cross the former president. Right. And, and so even though they know he might go rogue and keep repeating those deranged lies about the election, Republicans still are eager to use him in the upcoming elect- elections to get the base out to vote. That's exactly right. I mean, Trump is actually going to be headlining two fundraising events for both the House and Senate GOP campaign arms in the coming weeks. And GOP leaders have made clear, especially in the House, that they feel like they need Trump and that he can help with fundraising and can help animate the base. Uh, But sometimes Trump's behavior runs directly counter to the GOP's strategy and mission when it comes to winning back the House and Senate. He even said in a recent radio interview he would rather have Democrats win in some of these seats where Republicans uh, represent the seat who voted to impeach him. So you get the sense that in some cases, Trump might care about his own image rather than the success of the GOP. Hmm. You really think so? (laughs) Melanie Zanona, thanks so much. Appreciate it. That prominent South Carolina lawyer embroiled in multiple scandals and deaths is now in police custody. What are the charges he's facing? That's next. In our national lead, Alex Murdoch, the disgraced attorney from South Carolina, recently accused of a suicide for hire plot, was arrested once again. This time, he's accused of stealing settlement money from his late housekeeper's family. Her death has come under renewed scrutiny following a series of tragedies tied to Murdoch. CNN's Martin Savage has been following every chapter in this bizarre story. He joins us now. Martin Murdoch was arrested in Florida. What was he doing there? And and tell us more about these new charges. Yeah, he was arrested outside of a drug rehabilitation facility. It's believed that's where he's been getting treatment for a self-admitted opioid addiction. He said that goes back some decades. The charges against him now include two felony counts of obtaining property by false pretenses. According to the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division, these charges stem from a sled investigation into misappropriated settlement funds and the death of Gloria Satterfield. So who is she? She is the housekeeper for the Murdochs for decades, who died in a fall on the Murdoch property in 2018. Alex Murdoch suggested that her surviving sons actually file a lawsuit against the family. They did. 
and the settlement was for some $4.3 million. But the Suns say they never received any of that money. The attorney that represents the sub, some subsequently has said that Murdoch allegedly took the money of the settlement, which came from an insurance company, and transferred it into his own private bank account. So that seems to be from where the sled allegations are now stemming today. Alex Murdoch expected to be in court tomorrow. And so. remind our audience, uh, Murdoch was accused of a suicide for hire plot just months after his wife and son had been found dead. What's the status of, of those investigations? Okay, big breath. Here we go. Um, So the murders of his son and wife, which occurred in June of this year, when Alex Murdoch found them shot to death on his own property. Recently, by his own admission, the attorney that represents, one of the attorneys that represents Alex Murdoch, has implied that Alex Murdoch is a person of interest. He then went on to say, well, he can't be a person of interest because he has an alibi. He alleges that Alex Murdoch at the time that his wife and son were murdered was with his mom and that there was another witness that can verify time and place. Meanwhile, then on September 4th, you have another very strange twist, which is when Alex Murdoch reports that he had been shot in the head as he was attempting to replace a tire at the side of the road. We now know that he has confessed to saying that, no, it was an attempt to actually pull off an insurance fraud, that he would be killed by a man he hired, and thereby his one surviving son would get millions of dollars of insurance money. Of course, it all went awry because Alex Murdoch was not killed. He has been charged with the attempted insurance fraud and insurance fraud and also filing a false police report. There is just a myriad of problems for a man who once was so prominent, so powerful, and now in so much trouble. Jake? What a horrible story. Martin Savage, thanks so much. Yesterday was a big day in America's hideous opioid epidemic. The CDC announced that the highest 12-month total yet of a drug overdoses in the U.S., more than 96,000 dead Americans, according to preliminary data, an almost 30% increase from the previous year. And the primary driver of this all was, of course, opioids. Also, late Wednesday, a federal judge allowed work to continue on a very controversial bankruptcy and settlement plan for Purdue Pharma. That's the manufacturer of the opioid OxyContin. Now, the Justice Department had asked the judge to stop the plan, which shields the Sackler family, which owned the company, from opioid lawsuits. Also, yesterday brought the premiere of Dopesick, the Hulu TV series, that hopes to bring attention to this scandal and the role of the Sacklers in it. Now, despite all of this momentous news, we here at CNN heard from attorneys representing the Sacklers. They took issue with a banner we aired that tried to reflect this sentiment from writer Danny Strong about the purpose of the show Dopesick. We really wanted to show their crimes. In many ways, I wanted the show to be the trial that Purdue Pharma has not gotten. Now, the Sacklers are asking that we make clear what we made quite clear in the segment. The Sackler family has not faced any criminal charges. And the Sacklers are right. This is an important point for us to make clear for you to understand. The Sacklers have not been charged with any crimes. Now, that's not to say that they won't be or that they shouldn't be. The folks behind Dopesick surely think they should. Remember, The company that the Sacklers ran, Purdue Pharma, they pleaded guilty in federal court to multiple felonies, including conspiracy to defraud the United States. Prosecutors said, quote, Purdue admitted 
that it marketed and sold its dangerous opioid products to healthcare providers, even though it had reason to believe those providers were diverting them to abusers. Quote, the company lied to the Drug Enforcement Administration about steps it had taken to prevent such diversion, fraudulently increasing the amount of its products it was permitted to sell. Purdue also paid kickbacks to providers to encourage them to prescribe even more of its products, unquote. They themselves, personally, the Sacklers have not been charged with any crimes. It's a fact that critics find outrageous. We hope this clears up any misunderstandings. We're not going to stop covering this story. Stay tuned for more. Coming up, five people killed in a bow and arrow attack. That's now being treated as an act of terror. What we're learning about the suspect ahead. When you work, you work next level. When you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So, you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. 